Between the Covers, a series designed around who and what can be done and achieved by patients, planning and working in a community of like-minded, successful people. This podcast series is for anyone looking at becoming a successful published author and those looking to understand the mind of a writer and the goals of a publisher. Proudly sponsored by Shoreline Publishing. Welcome and enjoy. everybody. Thank you for joining me. My name is Bradley Shaw and you're uh, watching Between the Covers. This evening's guest is Doug Limerick, the author of Death Ships, which is coming out in July. Hello, Doug. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, Bradley, tonight. Thank you. And yourself? Good, good. As I was just saying, it's, it's cold in Melbourne at the moment, <laughs> but otherwise everything's fine. Raining here in Canberra. It is raining, yeah. It's better than snowing. It snows in Canberra sometimes, doesn't it? I'm not a very I'm not familiar well, with AC. These days we don't get much snow in the city. We get a bit of snow on the hills around. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. So, um, Doug, tell everybody watching uh, about Death Ships, about the book coming out. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, it's about six big ships built in North America, Bradley. Um, these uh, ships were designed uh, as huge uh ships to carry cargo largely between North America and the port of Liverpool in England. And uh, they uh, were engaged to bring emigrants to uh, the Australian colonies in 1852. And that all came about because of the gold rush. And the gold rush uh, in 1851 caused absolute havoc in the colonies. Uh, People uh, dropped their tools, dropped uh, whatever they were doing, left their schools, left the docks, left their positions on the farm, and they trudged off to the golf fields of Victoria to make their fortunes. So yeah. half, the, uh, half the population, half the male population of South Australia and Tasmania moved yep. to the golf fields, uh, and uh, people started arriving in shiploads, like in 1852, uh, it was uh, almost 90,000 people arrived from overseas to seek their fortune and the uh, Port of Melbourne became the busiest port in the world. So <laughs> that just generated absolute chaos and yeah. uh, what happened was uh, uh, the uh, people who were depending on labour started to scream saying we need yeah. replacement labour and uh, they uh, uh, put pressure on uh, the people in the UK uh, who were responsible for organising assisted immigrants yeah. uh, to, um, to to get replacement labour. Now, they were able to find replacement labour, but they couldn't find any ships. Oh, wow. That's what because all the ship's owners were making so much money transporting paying passengers out yeah, yeah. to the gold fields. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with assisted immigrants. So these big six big ships... Uh, happened to be in Liverpool and they were engaged to uh, bring large numbers of people out. Uh, wow, it's amazing. So, um, what, uh, what happened was they loaded them up 
and brought them out. And uh, as the name of the book implies, mm. uh, there were lots and lots of deaths. It's a sad story. So my book is really about the circumstances, which are the gold fields, the, gold, yep. the chaos caused there, about yep. uh, Liverpool, because all the ships had to come out of Liverpool. And yeah. Liverpool was a really, really unhealthy place at the time. Yeah. Lots of diseases around and the people had to assemble in Liverpool and they were exposed to lots of diseases. So uh, I, I explore in the book the, the diseases and the circumstances in Liverpool and the history of Liverpool as a port. Wow. Uh, and then uh, the book goes on then to uh, follow each of the six ships and uh, their passage out in 1852 and what happened. Oh, it's fantastic. Gosh. So was it was it was it a hard story to write? Was there a lot of reference material for those particular ships? I mean, there's so much, as you say, so much happening at the period, so much time. Did you have access to good research material, or was it more um, a, a compilation of, of you know stories and events? In the the um, I guess it all happened because I'd been doing research on other stuff and other writing I've been doing. I came across the name of these ships a few times and uh, it became clear to me that they weren't your normal immigrant ships. They were ships that had been designed in North America. They were supposed to be carting uh, uh, particularly timber back between mm. North America and Liverpool and then carting back manufactured goods from the UK back to North America. Wow. So it just seemed a little strange to me that these ships should be involved. And then I found a few references to uh, to deaths on on these ships, a couple of people made some reference. So I thought maybe there's a story here, so I better yeah. have a look at it. Uh, and uh, started doing some research. Uh, I, I did um, make some progress on a couple of ships quite early. I started to find some newspaper reports from the uh, 19th century, around around the 1850s, that started referring to them. In the, uh, both the colonial press uh, and in the press in the UK. So really it was a matter of uh, then getting down and spending a lot of time at the National Library and then finding uh, yeah. uh, finding references to inquiries that have been conducted afterwards to find out exactly what had happened on the ships. Wow. So I spent a lot of time in, in not only the National Library, which is an absolutely fantastic resource, We've got so much stuff there, not only uh, hard copy, but lots and lots of microfilm. So I'm going through microfilm, looking at old documents, looking at letters, looking at diaries, and uh, then tracking down other other sources of information in uh, uh, in other libraries, particularly the Mitchell Library in Sydney, uh, yep. the state libraries in Victoria and in South Australia. And yeah working, spending time there. So once I got into it, I started to find there was a lot of information. Uh, mm. But as, as usual in writing history, there's, you come up against brick walls occasionally, so you have to kind of keep digging and keep, keep your fingers crossed and, and, yeah. and just hope you find something. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, 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 did, I did eventually uh, uh, uncover a lot of information about the six ships. Yeah. Were you surprised that there was that much information, that so much was documented, yet so much of that event happened? Like why why, why it was made to happen that way and it wasn't no, better policed or, or I'm controlled? I'm not, because uh, as, as someone who, who writes about, uh, not, you know, primarily, I write about other things, but primarily about 19th century Australian history, uh, 
uh, I'm accustomed to uh, you know spending time and digging and uh, yeah. finding information. Now we, we really are lucky here because uh, uh, doing research uh, on uh, 19th century Australia, well, on Australian history particularly, but uh, 19th century Australian history, the 20th century. Uh, some years ago, the National Library and the Mitchell Library in Sydney um, um, put forward a proposal to the UK government. And the proposal was about them getting their hands on any documents that related to relationships with Australia. Might so, as well, yeah. And getting their hands on all, all the official correspondence between the UK and, and the colonies. Uh, oh my goodness. Diaries. And uh, heaps and heaps and heaps of stuff, and yeah. so uh, that stuff was all microfilmed over a period of time, and so there's an enormous amount of information on microfilm. Wow. And more recently, the National Library has been digitising it, which makes it so much more accessible. Yeah, but, wow. Um, and that stuff is uh, is indexed, uh, broadly mm. indexed. So if you want to, if you're prepared to spend a few hours and front of a microfilm reader, you know, winding your way through yeah. and looking at microfilm, you can uncover all sorts of, uh, well, sometimes surprises, but yeah. lots of information. So, uh, no, I wasn't surprised. Uh, it's just a matter of keeping on and digging and digging and, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you said also, you said earlier that a lot of the, some of the information was diaries. Are you saying that they were crew diary or... or, or um, passenger diary, like what, what diaries did you have access to? Like yeah, how much yeah. how personal yeah. were they? Yeah. Well, um, through through this uh, joint copying project, they copied lots of personal correspondence. Passengers on ships uh, uh, had, you know, they'd sent home to the home country. Uh, wow. There's uh, also um, official correspondence and also journals and diaries uh, wow. there. Um, mm. But also the National Library uh, has acquired uh, the original copies of some diaries too. Mm. And uh, you can uh, go into uh, a special reading room, uh, yeah. white gloves on, and have access to these uh, these wow. very, very old documents, which is wonderful. Yeah. So I did that. And then um, uh, you were able to take copies of information mm. of those diaries. So yeah, I yeah. had access to... I had access to original diaries and also copies of diaries. Yeah, and it shows in the work, like the way you've written it, it's a very authentic story. It's very like in the present of the moments of those stories on parts, where you yeah. know that you've got a first-hand account pretty much from your resources or your research has brought that out. Um, were you able to find, or did you hope to find, I guess maybe even more so when you were going through the research, an actual heir or an actual um, person, lineal, associated to that period, like someone who, you know, had a family lineage to uh, that well, period. I did, I did find uh, a few uh, a few people oh, yeah. uh, who had relatives who'd come out on one of those ships. Wow. Um, mainly, uh, you mainly find this through people who've written up their family history. Yep. And have, and have um, not so much published it, but, but compiled it and it's copied somewhere. And yeah. sometimes uh, that gets lodged with uh, a historical society, and the historical yep. society might then lodge uh, uh, or provide a reference to, say, the National Library. So yeah. you can track them down. It takes a bit of work. Uh, mm. So I did. I did find 
I did find a couple of those people. Did, were they surprised by some of the research you found, like how tragic some of it was? And oh, did they sort of know I, some I, of the story as well? I, I, I was, you know, when you start uh, reading uh, about the deaths uh, through um, through the letters and the diaries and the newspaper yeah. reports at the time, and also the official inquiries that were set up both yeah. in Australia. Um, the, uh, the port authorities each time conducted an inquiry to find out why there were so many deaths and the yeah. uh, Immigration Commission in the UK, which was kind of responsible for coordinating all this, they, um, they, they were asked by the UK government, who got a bit upset about it all, uh, to, to conduct an inquiry. So there were all these kind of official inquiry reports yeah. uh, which were accessible. Um, Wow. But reading some of the diaries, you know, it's uh, really, really tragic. Like at the end of the book, I, I finish up by talking about um, what it all meant and try to yeah. pull it all together. Uh, yeah. And one of the things I say right at the conclusion is that really um, the impact that, that, uh, that those uh, voyages yeah. had on the people who survived and who lost loved ones during the during the passage must have been just absolutely horrendous it must have been terrible yeah just the 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 vision like in one of the diaries the diarist talks about um, uh, babies being wrapped in canvas and thrown overboard um, mm. because there were just so many deaths and and just terrible. that image uh, if you were on board one of those ships and and witnessed that and had that image in your mind that would stay with you forever just the sound of a baby crying into that situation. Oh, the whole element's terrible, I know, the whole situation. So in writing this book, I mean, as you said, you came across the references to these ships through other research. What propelled you to delve into it? And what made you feel this was a story to tell, like this had to be shared in a, in a sense that, that readers would benefit from knowing this history, this part of history that's pretty horrific? Well, I do know there's a lot of interest in Australia uh, mm. in... Uh, in 19th century immigration, particularly yeah. with so many people these days are, are tracing their family history. Yeah. And people usually try to find out what ship their relatives came out on and uh, that becomes a part of the story. Um, so yeah. I, I had, uh, in my initial research, I did come across um, some uh, little stories that had been written uh, that it that mentioned uh, mentioned one or two of these ships, and so yeah. it seemed to me um, that there could be there could be a story here. Um, yeah. But like all um, history writing, you need to do a bit more work. You know, it sort of <laughs> starts as an idea. Yeah. It's like there could be a story. Then you need to delve in a bit more, and you read a bit more, and you yep. find out a bit more information. As it starts to come together, um, uh, it starts to take shape. And you can see that yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly there could be a story. And in yeah. this case, there kind of were six stories, six ships. Wow. They, all, they all came from North America. They were all engaged at the same time. Mm. Uh, they were all engaged because of the same circumstances relating to the gold rush. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, and then really it's the, uh, then building up information Wow. Not only around the six ships and what happened to them, but building up in information around the circumstances, like teasing yeah. out around the gold rush, 
teasing out stuff around uh, uh, Liverpool and uh, and and uh, providing the reader with some information about kind of diseases that yeah. were around in Victorian England. Wow! And that started to, to kind of build up a, a more comprehensive picture uh, that I thought, well, yep, I think this is looking like a looking like a book. And how long did that take you to compile, research, and configure, um, and think about, and write? And... Well, the research stuff was a bit stop-start because you start off and you pursue an idea, and yes, then it, you, you, yeah, okay, it's a book. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and you you pursue that and you pull together information. Uh, that initial stuff probably took six months or so, or maybe a bit longer. But then you find that as you start to write it, then um, you find there are some gaps and it's a bit thin in a few places. So you go, yeah. you go off hurtling back, do some more yeah. research. So the research stuff is a bit ongoing together with the writing. The writing informs you as to whether you need to do more research or not. Yeah. So um, I guess um, it was uh, a 12 months or more project which yeah. involved some initial research and then starting the writing and then as I got into it I felt I needed to do some reshaping of yeah of the structure of what was looking like. <clears throat> was that a year full time or was it how many hours a day did uh, you write? No, well uh, I, I don't write full time. Uh, I'm really committed to, to writing because I love it. Yeah. So I, I do, and I've always got a, an, an idea about something. Wow. It could be a book, so I'm collecting information as I go along and think, yeah. mm, maybe there's a book there in the future. Yeah. So go back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, did did you yeah. feel immersed in the presence of the book? Like, did you feel like you were there? Like the way the story, oh, the research yeah. is so involved. You've done it. You must have been living part of that experience as well. Yeah, once you get hard. over, the, yeah, yeah, Bradley. Once you get over the initial, uh, or once I I get over the initial. Uh, research and really start to get some information together. I, I yeah. then become quite uh, enthusiastic about pushing on ahead. And yeah. I was it tiring though? I spent lots of time writing then, you know, I spent yeah. all day over at the National Library. Or, oh, good. Uh, yeah. Did you find it tiring though, writing such, such heavy research, crafting this book because there was so much emotion in, involved as well as the articulation of the history history data like how did you how did you actually feel when you were writing the stories of some elements well lots of feelings uh i certainly wasn't tired um i've, I've got a research background so i'm mm -hmm. really used to doing a lot of yep. research and i did a, uh, a, a lot of work uh, in, in a former life if you like uh, yeah on, on doing research for a whole range of things for national evaluations for uh, for major major issues that I was asked to, to write about and uh, yeah. so they all involve lots of research so uh, good um, and I like researching uh, mm -hmm. and uh, so um, it, um, it it was frustrating at times it uh, when you know I couldn't quite um, get all the information I wanted yeah. It was exciting at times because I've suddenly found some new information. Uh, yeah. It's never tiring, uh, yeah. but uh, there are all sorts of emotions, you know. As yeah. Well, you that's good. So, so yeah. many writers, you go through stages and yeah. you make a lot of progress, and then you find that you just can't quite find something. I find it yeah. a bit frustrating too at times. Uh, 
when I can't find images to go yeah. with, uh, with uh, the stuff I'm writing about because, uh, as, as we all know, uh, uh, there's an old, that old saying about um, an image is, you know, worth uh, a lot more than the words. Yeah, uh, yeah. to that effect. And uh, one of the things I try and do in, in writing about a period that uh, is some, some way back now, it's, it's yeah. not recent history, is to try and uh, take the reader into the 19th century if I can. Mm. And the best way to do that is to quote the words from people from the 19th century. So you get a sense yeah. of their, their feeling and how, how they are finding the time or Absolutely. finding the experience Absolutely. in the case of being on their ships. Yeah. Um, and uh, so quoting people and quoting diaries, quoting uh, letters, uh, quoting newspaper reports at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Which were written in that 19th century idiom and so on. Mm. And uh, that and gives it such a character. If I can get some illustrations, yeah. uh, in this case of, of those ships, uh, <clears throat> yeah. of stuff that uh, referred to in the story, yeah. places that are referred to in the story, I think it just helps a lot. Well, so some great pictures that you gathered, that. though. Yeah, sometimes I get frustrated because I can't find, I spend hours and hours trying to find these images. Yeah. And uh, often, often looking on uh, databases overseas, for, for this particular book, I, I went to Canada and went to maritime museums in Canada and other yeah. museums. I went to the um, Merseyside Maritime Museum uh, in Liverpool. Um, all of those places were really helpful. Uh, but I got a bit frustrated at a time when I couldn't find uh, an image of you know, the ships. I really yeah. only got images of three of the six ships. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the images of the other ones exist. Um, wow. Well, if anyone would have found them, you would have. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> You'll probably, you know, but you've got a lot of images in this book that really compound a lot of the, the, the text that you've created. The narration is brilliant. Um, the way you've put the book together is very inspiring too. So I think any historian lover of the period, as you say, is going to enjoy this book uh, for its uh, authenticity and for the, you know, the learning alone of that that period and that uh, happening, the events. Oh my gosh. But um, yeah, if I may too, Doug, excuse me, I'll just prompt our, re our watchers. Uh, people viewing, please do grab a copy of um, Doug's book, Death Ships. It's coming out in July, as I said. Uh, it's available everywhere books are sold. It'll be available in your local bookstore. And we do encourage you to go to your local bookstore. We want to support local business. Uh, but it is available online anywhere you do buy your books. Um, so, yeah, please grab this great book from Doug and enjoy Death Ships. So, getting back to you, Doug. The, um, the family environment, you, the, your family, they were supportive of your research. Obviously, they're used to you researching a lot of your data and text because you, you've done this before a lot of times. Mm. So how did they find this sort of story? Did they understand what you were achieving this time? Uh, yeah, well, I think uh, everyone uh, in the family is very supportive. And as yep. you say, they are probably very used to me <laughs> uh, spending time doing this sort of thing. Uh, yep. they're, they're, they're always interested in the books, the outcome. Good. Um, and uh, it's, it's in fact uh, encouraged a few of my uh, children to, to, to write. Uh, yep. They dabble around a bit. and. Uh, um, a couple of them are interested in maybe writing children's books, uh, dabbling around at the moment. Good. Still exploring writing and, yep. uh, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's good to see that happen. Uh, but I've had a lot of encouragement. Um, yeah, my wife is, is absolutely fabulous. 
good. It's great. She puts up with me spending hours and hours over at the library. And, uh, and, uh, she probably enjoys the peace and quiet. Sitting in the study for hours, writing a lot. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, um, what do you hope the readers will get out of this book? Like you, you know, you've done a lot of time, a lot of investment of um, research into it. What do you hope they gain as much? Yeah. Well, um, I. I I think uh, a number of things. Uh, I think there'll be some readers who will be really interested in the book because they've, through their family history work, have had an interest in one or more of these ships. And so yep. they'll be really keen to find out the story behind the ships because it, 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 what I've tried to do is not only tell the story of the actual passage from Liverpool to mm. uh, the, one of the colonial ports, uh, but also to tell the story behind the ship and how yep. that ship was built and what happened. And then what actually happened to the ship, what, uh, mm. you know, uh, in many cases the, the ships were wrecked uh, yeah. and uh, subsequently uh, uh, that was the end of them. But in other yeah, cases they went on to do other things. So there's a whole story around there so that people might be interested. Yeah. I know there are people interested in maritime history. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's 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 a part of Australia's 19th century maritime history. Good. Uh, it's a contribution to uh, people understanding the impact of the gold rush. Yeah. I don't think people under, uh, understand just no, the was magnitude it? of the impact of the gold rush. It had it yeah. had an impact that went on throughout the whole of the 19th century. It was an insane period of time. Yeah. Changed the nature of the Australian mm. colonies for forever. Changed the whole nature of how people regarded yep. Australia. Uh, sort of suddenly, it was no longer just a penal colony or a set of penal no. colonies. It was, it was uh, a very an place that was very interesting, that was progressive, and had a uh, and out of yep. that virus came a lot of social reforms. You know, voting yep. people. Um, well. A lot of our own towns, our own districts, our whole our whole map sequences were built. Like all those rural areas just grew rapidly. Around, you and know. you get you get uh, places like Melbourne. Uh, yeah. You look at some of the old buildings there. They were all built as a result of the gold rush. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Bendigo and Ballarat. And, you and know. Some of yeah. Them exist, those yeah. places. Those places wouldn't exist at all if those gold rushes hadn't have occurred. They were oh. amazing. Yeah. The whole cycle of time, in that period, is amazing. To think that a country, literally unfounded like was just just exploded um with population it was an amazing period um but anyway uh, doug thank you so much for your time there's lots more we could talk on i mean you're just an expert on so many so many levels of, of research um but i thank you for your time tonight and talking about your book death ships and we are very excited for being publishing it with you uh and being able to bring it to the readers um and we're really getting behind it to make sure that as many people as possible can have a copy and read it and enjoy it um, so thank you tonight for spending that time with me. That's a pleasure, Bradley. It's really great to talk to you and to uh, and to tell people about the book. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Covers, produced by Shoreline Publishing.